Okay, so we're going to pick it up from the Tzadi Amid Aleph, the top of the line. Uh, if you remember from yesterday's daf, Rav Chizda was talking about that if you separate Tamei Truma, the halacha is Tamei Truma for Tahar, meaning you take Tamei food uh, and separate it as Truma. So the halacha is that it's biblically effective, but the Rabbonah were not happy. And instead of the Rabbonah saying that you're Yoytze, you just have to redo it, they were afraid that if they said that, then people wouldn't actually rectify it. So Chazal uh, completely made it back to Tevel. They undid it. It's no longer truma. Even though it's biblically truma, they said it's not truma. And eventually it could be eaten by uh, a non-Kayan. So this is an example of the Rabbanon overriding in Isidaraisa because they, because of their motivation, are making it that it's not actually truma anymore where they're allowing Israel to eat it. So this is a very rare occurrence. So we're trying to find other examples of the Rabbanon overriding a Deraisa. So Tashima, the Braisa says, top line. If a non-Kayan eats Tamei Truma, so the halacha is Mishalem Chulun Tahirim. If you eat Truma, you have to pay it back, right? So if you eat Tamei Truma, then you have to pay back with Chulun Tahirim, with Tahar Chulun. The Gemara in a, a little bit is going to wonder why it has to be Tahar Chulun. When you, by the way, when you pay back with Chulun, it turns into Truma. So the Gemara will wonder why I have to pay back with Tahar Chulun when I ate Tamei Truma. I should be able to pay back what I ate. But the Gemara says like this, so if you ate Tamei Truma, you pay back Tahar Chulin. Then the Gemara says, Let's say I ate Tamei Truma and I pay back Tamei Chulin. So it becomes Tamei Truma. So I basically ate Tamei Truma and I pay back Tamei Truma. If you did it accidentally, it's effective. But if you did it on purpose, it's not effective. And the Kayan has to return the Truma. So if you pay back Tamei Truma, it's not effective. The Chachamim say, no, Echad Zev, Echad Zev, Tashlum of Tashlumen. The Chachamim say, whether you did it accidentally or on purpose, it is effective. The Chachamim Mishalim Chulun Tarim, but you have to give a penalty of paying back that amount of Chulun. So let's say you ate t- uh, 20 apples of Tamei Truma, and then you paid it back with Tamei Truma, it's effective, whether you did it accidentally or on purpose, but you have to give 20 apples, not Truma, but just as a penalty. Vavinaba. And the Gemara says, we analyzed Sumchis Hashita, that if you did it on purpose, it's not effective. And we said, Why is it not effective? You ate Tamei Truma, which is something the Kayan can't eat, and you paid back Tamei Chulin, which is, by the way, it's at least the same, it's not worse, but it's kind of even better because from his perspective, while the Tamei Chulin turns into Truma, he doesn't know that. So from his perspective, he ate Tamei Truma and he's paying back Tamei Chulin. It's not worse. Why is it not effective? The Chari, you're just paying back what you ate. So the Gemara says, you're right. Amar Rav of Amar Kedi. So Rav says uh, the name of Rav Kedi. That is, change the girsa. Chasuri Mechsa Hachitan. This is what it meant to say. Achol Truma Tamei. If you ate Tamei Truma, a non needs Tamei Truma, Mishal and Kolduhu. You pay back anything. If you ate Tamei, you could pay back Tamei. If you ate Tahar Truma, Mishalin Chulim Tahirin, you should pay back Tahar, because you ate Tahar, you should pay back Tahar. Shilim Chulim Tameim. Ah, so you ate Tahar and you paid back Tamei. So then, if you did it accidentally, it's effective. If you did it on purpose, it's not effective and you have to return the Truma. The coin has to t- give back to you. The Chum say, no, the Chum say, in either case, whether you did accidentally or on purpose, it is effective, but you have to give a penalty. So the point is like this you ate Tahar Truma and you pay back Tame Truma. So the halacha is 
according to Sumchis, if he did it on purpose, it's not effective, and he has to return it. What does this have to do with our sugya? So the Gemara says like this, Ha-ha-cha, in this case, right, we said yesterday in the name of Ravi Loy, that if you separate Tamei Truma, biblically it's effective, which means, if I ate Tamei Truma, and I pay, if I ate Truma and I pay back Tamei Truma, it's biblically effective, so it's biblically Truma. So it's biblically a payment. So that Kayin, so really, it's the Kayin's money. And if the Kayin were to then use that money, um, use that money, Mekadesh Bu Kayin Isha, if that Kayin were to use that money to Mekadesh a woman, it would be Tavsila Kedushin. It would actually be effective. And it would be his wife. Yet, the Rabbanon say, The Rabbanon say no. Meaning, biblically, it's Truma, and biblically, it's the Kayin's. But what do Chazal say? It's not Truma. We're overriding that. Not only is it not Truma, he has to return it. And therefore, if he were to use that money to Mekadosh and Isha, even though she's biblically married, we'll say she's not married. Isn't that an example of the Rabbanon overriding a Deraisa? Because Deraisa, it belongs to the Kayan. And if he were to use the Mekadosh and Isha, it would be biblically effective. But Chazal say it's not. So that's an example of the Rabbanon overriding a Deraisa. So this backs up Rav Chizda that the Rabbanon have the power to override a deraisa. The Taizi Hishanan, by the way, asks, why do you have to go on to this whole Kechatimsa that you use the money to Mekadosh and should just say Stam. It's biblically Truma, and we're saying it's not Truma and returning it to a Yisrael, and the Yisrael is allowed to eat it. So that itself is Rabbanon overriding deraisa. He says you could, they could have said that, but it's very similar to the Gemara we had before, so he wanted to have a slightly different version. So the Gemara says, oh, so this is an example... Because it says it's biblically true, it's biblically belonging to the Kayan, but we're now making the Kayan return it. Isn't that an example of the Rabbana overriding the Raisas? The Gemara says no. The Gemara says, really, when we said, when Sumcha said that it's not effective, it doesn't actually mean that the Kayan has to return it. Rather, when Rameir said, when Sumcha said that it's not effective, he didn't mean that you have to return it. Rather, it's effective, you have to give a penalty. So when we said that it's that it's not considered effective, it doesn't mean it's actually not effective. It just means that you have to that 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 it's considered true. You have to give a penalty. Meaning, so what the Rabbanon said is now actually what Sumcha said. So the Rabbanon said it's effective whether Shaygum is it, you just have to give a penalty. So when Sumcha said it's 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 not effective, he just means it's effective, you just have to give a penalty. So Sumcha's now is Rameir. Oh Ihachi I'm sorry, Sumcha's now the Rabbanon. Ihachi Sumcha said Rabbanon. They both are saying the same thing, which is that it's effective, you have to give a penalty. So what's the difference between the two? So the Gemara says You're right. Sumchas and the Rabbanon are saying the exact same thing. The only is between them is if you did it by accident. Meaning, if you did it on purpose, everyone agrees that it's effective, you have to give a penalty. The machloikis is, is there a penalty if you did it by accident? The Rabbanon say yes, and Sumchas says no. But it's not an example of the Rabbanon overriding the Raisa because they're not making you return the money. The Gemara says, okay, I'll find another source, Toshima. Dam shenitma vizarku. Let's say you have the dam of a carbon, you have the blood of a carbon. That became Tame. Vizarku, and then you spill the blood, meaning you use the blood on the Mizbech. The halach is that if a, car- a carbon becomes Tameh, you're not supposed to sprinkle the blood on the Mizbech. But let's say the Kayan did. So Beshoigig, if he did it accidentally, Hurtza, it's considered effective. If he did it accidentally, you yoytze the carbon. So let's say it's a chatas. If he did it accidentally, you yoytze the chatas. Bemeze, if he did it on purpose, if he sprinkled the blood on purpose, loy Hurtza, it's not effective. Seemingly, you have to bring another carbon. So here's the problem. The halach is that biblically 
if you have Tamei blood, midday raisa, you're allowed to sprinkle it. Why? Because the tzitz, which the Kohen Gadol would wear, was metaher, all tumas of blood. So midday raisa, if the carbon becomes Tamei, you're allowed to sprinkle it. Over here, though, if we're saying if you did it on purpose, Chazal say you're not effective, meaning, and you have to bring another carbon. So midday raisa, you're yoyt the carbon, but Chazal are saying you have to bring another carbon. That's bringing chul into the Beis Hamikdash because you don't actually have to bring this carbon. So midderai say you yoytze the carbon, but Chazal say no, bring another carbon. That's an example of a Chazal overriding a deraisa because you biblically don't have to bring a carbon because you biblically yotze. But Chazal are saying oh, you should bring another carbon. That's an example of a derabbanon overriding a deraisa. The Gemara says damshin it bezarg b'shagah hurts of mezla hurts. Hach and midderai say biblically you yotze tanya amatz it's meratza. What is the tzitz uh, atone for? It atones for blood or, or meat or fat that became tummy that was you put on the mizbeach. In all scenarios, you yotza. So you see that over here, if you sprinkle the blood, it's tummy. You're biblically yotza, but wet, but yet. The rabbanon say loy horti not yotza, meaning you have to bring another carbon. But now you bring an unnecessary carbon, which is biblically forbidden. So it's an example of a derabbanon overriding a deraisa. So the Gemara says no. The Gemara says no. When the rabbanon, when it says that the rabbanon you're not yotza, it doesn't mean you don't have to bring the carbon. It doesn't mean you have to bring another carbon. You're actually yotza. You don't have to bring another carbon. So what does it mean you're not yotza? It means the kehanim don't get to eat the meat. So if you bring a chatas, if you sprinkle the blood of a chatas that's tummy on purpose, you don't have to bring another carbon. But the kehanim don't get to eat the meat. The Gemara says, "I'm Ravasi bring my lehorts to the kamer lahater basel achila. I will buy them boy." Oh, but here's the problem. That's still an example of the derabon overriding deraisa. Why? Because there is an obligation deraisa to eat for the kehanim to eat the meat. You're now, the Rabbanon are now stopping the Kahanim from eating the meat. Isn't that an example of the Rabbanon overriding a deraisa? The Gemara says, Saif, Saif, Kamasakra, Achilas Basar. You're overriding the deraisa mitzvah of eating meat. Uksiv, Achlu, Oysem, Ashakupa, Abraham, the Pasuk says, The Kahanim eat, Malam, Shakanim, Eichim, Abaylam, Skapin. The Kahanim eat, and the Baylam get a kapar. So there's a mitzvah deraisa for the Baylam, for the Kahanim to eat it. And the Chazal are saying, the Rabbanon are saying that they shouldn't eat it. So that's an example. The Rabbanon overriding deraisa. So that's a good example. So the Gemara says, No. We're looking, like Rav Chizda's case, of the Rabbanon overriding a deraisa, of the Rabbanon actively overriding a biblical prohibition. Over here, the Rabbanon are stopping you from doing a mitzvah. That's called Sheva Altasa. The Rabbanon are not making you do something wrong. They're just telling you not to eat, not to eat the, from the carbon. So it's Sheva Altasa. So because it's Sheva Altasa, that's not a good example. We're looking for active Averis, the Rabban overriding an act of Aver, like the case of Rav Chizda, where the Rabban are allowing Yisrael to eat the Truma. But this example of the Rabbanon stopping the Kayan from eating the meat, that's called Sheval Tasa. That's just stopping you from doing a mitzvah. We know Chazal have the power to stop you from doing a mitzvah. But we're looking for where the Chazal have the power, where they practically override Nisidaraisa. Go to the next page. Amrlei, Boyla Suvich, he says the truth is, I, had, I was going to ask the following seven questions. But they're all Sheval Tasa. But now that I know the Sheval Tasa is not what you're looking for, I'm not going to ask. I'll explain what they are. Oral, Hazar, Izemel, Sadamatzitzis, Kiseyatzeris, Shoifer, Velulav. I was going to ask all those because those are all examples of the Rabbonon stopping you from doing a mitzvah. But Hashida, Shanisla, and Sheval Tasa, Lemiakirhu, Kulanami Sheval Tasa. But now that I know that you're not looking for Sheval Tasa, these are all examples of Sheval Tasa. What are these examples? Oral is that Chazal made it that if you uh, circumcise, if you go through Geras, you're tummy for seven days. The reason being is because if a, if a, guy, if a guy is tummy mace and then he converts, he's tahar because the tumma doesn't 
he's a different person. So we're afraid that he may not realize that, and then he'll think you don't have to wait seven days for Tomas Mace. So because of that, any person who converts is Tommy for seven days. So let's say a person wants to convert Erev Pesach, so now if you make him rabbinically Tommy, which is it's a rabbinical Tommy, if you make him rabbinically Tommy, he won't be able to eat the Karm Pesach. And the halacha is, they made him rabbinically Tommy, even though it stops him from doing the Karm Pesach. Ah, that's an example, the Rabbana overriding the rice. The answer is no, that's Sheval Tasa. The Rabbana are not telling you to do anything wrong. They're just stopping you from bringing the Karm Pesach. Hazah, which is uh, uh, sprinkling the paraduma ashes. The halacha is that if someone's tummy mace, you need the paraduma ashes. Now, let's say we don't, rabbinically, we don't sprinkle the paraduma ashes on Shabbos. Let's say the only way for someone to become tahar to bring the karm pesach is if he's sprinkled on Shabbos. The halacha is you're not supposed to. That's an example. The rabbon are overriding the rights. The answer is they're not telling you to do something wrong, they're just stopping you from bringing the karm pesach. It's Shevval Izamel, let's say uh, you want to be able to do a, a bris milah on Shabbos, but the knife is rabbinically uh, forbidden to carry. Let's say it's in a karmos, whatever it is. The halacha is, you're not allowed to carry the knife, because it's rabbinically forbidden. I, that's the overriding the rice. The answer is, no, Sheval Tassel, not telling you to do something wrong, telling you to not not do a bris milah. Sadam is tricky, because Sadam is the concept, Tosis talks about this, Sadam is that um, we know that if you have a linen garment, um, in order for you to wear Tcheles, uh, which is wool, it will be wool and linen. So we had at the beginning of this Masechta, it's Asei Docholos, it's technically forbi- uh, permitted. But the rabbis forbade it because we're afraid you put on a beged that's not chayv in tzitzis, it'll be klayim, not b'makam mitzvah. So basically, the Rabbanon allow you to, allowed you to wear uh, a four-cornered garment of, of linen without putting tzitzis on it. Oh, isn't that overriding a derais? It's no sheval tasa. They just stop. They're just saying you don't have to put tzitzis on it. That's not actively something wrong. The taisis has a kasha. Isn't that actively doing something wrong because you're putting on the four cornered garments? The taisis says no. Taisis says no because the four cornered garment, uh, the chiyav only begins once you're wearing it. You have to put tzitzis on. There's no iser putting on a dalek confess. Is that once you have dalek confess on, you have to put tzitzis? So now they're saying you don't have to put tzitzis. It's sheval tasa. Kivseat Saras Rashi says he's not 100% sure what the case is, but he thinks that it's if you if it's on Shabbos Shavuos and you shech the carbon Shaloy Lishma for the wrong intention, Chazal did not allow you to sprinkle it, even though that was Mavatal the Mitzvah and Shevel Tasa. And the last one is Shaifer and Lulav, which is the famous concept that we don't uh, blow Shaifer on Shabbos, so we don't take the Lulav and Esrach on Shabbos because we're afraid you might come to carry. I, that's overriding the rice. The answer is no, Shevel Tasa. I'm not telling you to do something wrong. They're telling you to just not perform a mitzvah. So. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. So we're still looking for examples like Rav Chizda of Chazal overriding a deraisa. So Tashima, Elof Tishmun. So the Gemara gives an example. Elof Tishmun, you have to listen to the Rabbana. Even if the Chacham say to override a deraisa, Kigon Elio Baharakarma, like Elio and Harakarma, well, he told them to bring a carbon outside of the Vesamikdash. If it's temporary, you're allowed to listen to them. Oh, so you see the Chazal have the right to override a deraisa, like Elio and Harakarmel. So why isn't that a good source? The answer is, Shani Hasan Dechsevi Lov Tishmun. Over there it's different, because the Pasuk says it's allowed. That's the exception. Oh, Valigman, I learned from it. The answer is, Shani Hasan Migder Milsa Shani. The answer is, over there, in the case of Elio and Harakarmel, that was an example of 
of a systemic problem that Chazal saw was getting out of hand. If Chazal feel that something's getting out of hand, like martial law, they have the rights to override their ISIS for temporary purposes. But Rav Chizda was talking about a case where Chazal just overrode an Isidara not because there was a big problem. It's not like there was a big truma problem. They just felt at that time it's allowed. We're looking for an example of Chazal overriding a Isidara in an isolated case. That case of Eliyohar Har Carmel, where Abu Dazar was becoming rampant, they fell for martial law. It was like break glass in case of emergency. They had to get involved. But that's not that's not a good um, barometer for other cases. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for um, we're looking for something that's more applicable in an isolated case. Okay, Tashima. One more example. The halacha is that if you send a get through a shliach, and then after the shliach leaves, you turn to three people, not in front of the shliach, and you're mevatel the get. You say this get's not a real good get. The halacha is you're mevatel the get. Biblically, it's not a get anymore. Chazal forbade doing such a thing because Chazal felt as you could imagine, if you're just mevatel to get, not in front of the wife or in front of the shliach, it's going to create chaos, because you'll claim you were mevatel, even though you didn't, it would be a chaotic situation. Here's the shiloh. Let's say you sent the get through a shliach, and then you go to three people, not in front of the shliach, and you do what Chazal are not happy about, and you're mevatel to get. Was it effective, bidyevid, against Chazal's wishes? So, batlu mevatel, Rebbe 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 feels that if you're mevatel to get, you're talking about the get. It's not a good get. You did what was wrong, but it's still effective. Rishim Gamliel says, no. If you're Mavata the get, even though Deraisa, it's a good bitl, meaning Deraisa, it's not an effective get. Chazal said, it's still, she's still divorced. Why? Because Chazal have to have power. And if Chazal say you're not allowed to do it, then they stood up and they said, you're not, it, 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 even if you did, it's not effective. Oh, isn't this an example of the Rabban overriding Deraisa? Because over here, midday raisa, this get is not a good get, meaning she's still married. But Chazal said she's considered divorce. They're allowing her to go free. That's an example of the Rabbana overriding the raisa. Over here, biblically, it's not an effective get. But Chazal are overriding this and allowing her to be single. So you see, that's an example of the Rabbana overriding the raisa. Gemara says no. That's not a good example. Why? Because man mekadesh adaytu the rabbanu mekadesh. There's a concept in halacha that when someone is mekadesh a woman, he does it al das the rabbanon. So the rabbanon have the right to retroactively annul the kedushin and say that that kedushin was not done properly. So that's not an example. We're looking for uh, a case outside of kedushin. By kedushin, we know that kol the rabbanon adaytu mekadesh mekadesh. That the rabbanon are able to the way Rashi explains it. Uh, in Ksubis, is called Mekadash Yishal Dashen Higuchacham Eisol Bisol Mekadash Shikayomen. When a person Mekadash Nisha, he does it with the stipulation, assume stipulation that it should be with Chazal's uh, blessing. And this person, because afterwards what he did with the Bittel of a Get, Chazal are retroactively, they don't recognize the Kedushin, Afkin Rabban Kedushin and they retroactively annul the marriage. And they look at the Kedushin as more like a loan, but not actually Kesef Kedushin. But we're looking for something outside of that realm. The Gemara just says, "Hatinech the Kaddish bekitzva, Kaddish bebiyah Michael Lemamar." So that, what if you're Mekaddish with Bia? What? How did the Rabbanon look at it then? The answer is Nos. Also, Bia is Nos. They look at it as Nos. Meaning that's the case of the Rabbanon annulling the marriage retroactively. But we're looking for something a little different. Okay, one more example, and this is very similar to what we had before in Elio Bahara Carmel, which is Chazal breaking glass of a case of emergency. As, as you can imagine, the Gemara is going to reject it by saying that was when there were systemic problems, and it's not a good example.
the Gemara says like this. I heard that Bezdin could instill punishment that is not authorized by the Torah in order to make offense for the Torah. What's an example? There was a person in the times of the Yavanim who was riding a horse. And that horse he was riding was, um, was he was desecrating Shabbos rabbinically by riding a horse. Now this is a time where Chil Shabbos was becoming rampant. Havila Bezim Sakluas, a Bezim brought him and gave him the death penalty. Not because that's the actual punishment riding a horse, because it was necessary. So that's an example of the Rabbana overriding the Another example of a man and woman who were married, they lived together publicly, which is obviously, it's not Asa Deraisa, but it's a tremendously lack of Tznias, and I guess Tznias was becoming a problem. And they gave lashes. Oh, because not because that's the punishment in the Torah, but because it was necessary. So you see, Chazal have the power to override the rice. The answer is Migdar Milshani. Again, that's an example example where things are rampant, a big problem, and they have to stem a systemic issue. But that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for isolated cases, which we do not find. Okay, let's just finish up the daf. In the case, the Mishnah is continuing in a case where a woman marries based on one witness, and then the husband shows up. So the halach is loy the first husband, if he's a Kayan, is not allowed to contaminate to her. Why? Because she committed adultery. Oh, so you see that when a woman commits adultery, the husband who's a Kayan does not go to her funeral. How do you know this? Menolan. The Pasuk says that a Kayan goes to his wife's funeral. But there's another Pasuk There's another Pasuk says that a Kayan does not go to his wife's funeral. So, how do you reconcile? How do you reconcile to? The answer is it depends. If he's if his wife was faithful, he goes to the wife's funeral. But if she committed adultery, like in this case, where she married based on one witness, but without doing a proper investigation and therefore when the husband shows up it's considered an act of adultery she's not he's not allowed to go to her funeral then the mishnah says the the first husband and the second husband because he's not a real husband but the first husband is not uh does not acquire her objects the halach is that rabbinically chazal made it that whenever the wife acquires goes to the husband but not in this case when she committed adultery why so why is it because what's the reason why chazal made it that whatever she acquires goes to the husband because in order to keep peace in the marriage it's better for that dynamic to continue that way that whatever she acquires goes to the husband it's in order to keep the marriage smooth in this case when she committed adultery and we want them to get divorced why would we want to keep it smooth so the husband doesn't get it because we're hoping it'll create friction in order to get them to be motivated to divorce then we said the first husband does not get her paris meaning her her Whatever she does for a living, the money does not go to the husband. Why? Why is it that generally the husband acquires her paycheck? Because the husband has the financial responsibility to support her, and because he financially supports her, he gets he gets what she uh, what she what she spent. She get, we get, he gets her paycheck. In this case, when she commits adultery, he doesn't have to support her financially, so it makes sense that he's not going to get her maizideho. The last halacha is that the husband, is once she commits adultery, is not allowed to annul her vows. So why? What's the reason? He says, because what's the reason that a husband annuls her vows? Because 
in order to keep the marriage smooth, he has to be able to annul her vows. Why? What if she made a vow that she's never going to shower again? That would affect their marriage. In order to keep the marriage going properly, we allow him to annul her vows. But in this case, when they committed adultery and they want the marriage to end anyway, he's not allowed to annul her vows. What's worst case scenario? She makes a vow that'll cause the marriage to be friction. We want it to be friction. Therefore, he's not allowed to annul her vows anymore.